Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of After the Peaks. I'm your host, Brian Quigley, and today we have an incredible guest joining us, Jose Alejandro. Jose is the founder of Intentional Impact, a program focusing on helping impact-driven men increase their impact and initiate the next evolution of their gift, vision, and leadership with intention and integrity. Jose is also the co-founder of Modern Renaissance Men, a community that empowers men to find their edge so they can live the life they want to live. Jose bridges his personal life experiences and hero's journey with his training in somatic experiencing, trauma-informed coaching, men's work, breath work, ancestral wisdom, and rites of passage to inspire men to own their story, release limiting beliefs, and embody their truth through mind, body, soul, and style. Jose is completely committed to his vision and willing to put in all the necessary effort and resources to achieve it. I'm truly honored to have Jose join us on After the Peaks. So without further ado, let's drop into the episode. Jose, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the beautiful introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. And as with all my other guests, I like to start with a quote. Resistance is always proportionate to the dream. Act accordingly. Stephen Pressfield. It's one of my favorite authors. Great way to start this. <laughs> yeah. You talk about if you're going to call something in, you better be ready for the resistance that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about why people stop pursuing their dreams or give up halfway yeah. through. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, I definitely feel like giving up whenever I feel resistance. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. And I think uh, our mind is is literally is programmed for us to move away from resistance, right? It's like, uh, it's a defense mechanism. It's a coping mechanism for us to protect ourselves and be safe, right? So I think most of us, um, as we start calling in a vision or even having that vision, the first form of resistance that comes uh after claiming a vision is realizing that we've got to now start working towards it right and and that resistance alone often brings up thoughts of not feeling like enough not uh thinking that we're ready um not thinking that it's possible because of some limitations that maybe are there or aren't there and we project to the future we could list a whole bunch of things and it looks different for everybody but ultimately um, we confuse resistance with a sign that we need to stop, right? And I, I always uh, reflect on and try to tune into whether what I'm feeling is fear or misalignment, you know? And oftentimes resistance is a, is a reflection of fear, and oftentimes fear reveals where we need to head towards, right? Misalignment feels a little bit different, um, I think, it's also a form of resistance, but it's kind of like, uh, it, it's not a byproduct of our vision. It's usually a byproduct of uh, conditioning and what we think our vision should be, right? And usually we, we could feel like, I don't belong here, I shouldn't be doing this, or this isn't for me. Whereas resistance is kind of like, oh, man, I, I don't know how to describe it. There's like this pull in that direction, but it feels like I have to do some work to, uh, break through a wall or to to release baggage or weight that's holding me down from actually heading in the direction that I want to. So it's like a, a feeling layered above the inspiration that doesn't belong there rather than a lack of inspiration um, with a layered desire for validation. I love that. Love that. And you talk about the loops that we get in and that we know what's happening, but we just continue to go through those loops. So what's your process in actually breaking through to create something new for yourself? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I think most personal development work and it's, it's great. It's a great place to, for all of us to start. It's where I started and I, I got my bachelor's in psychology and really the, the, the reason I went into psych was cause I was, I was curious about the mind, but there's always, there was also a selfish desire to fix my household chaos and all the problems that were going on. So for me, it was like a, there was a bottom, there was a top down approach of like, let me learn everything I can gain all the information and theory that I can. So that way I can apply it into my life. And uh, oftentimes that's, that's uh, where we get stuck. To be honest, I've recognized this in a lot. I've recognized this in myself and a lot of men that I work with personal development, and the beginning stages of that journey can actually create more anxiety and depression because we become aware of the theories and the, the vision and we give ourselves permission to vision. Some, some of us don't even uh, give ourselves to get to the point where we can allow ourselves to see that vision. We get to that point and immediately after it's like, I see what's possible and fuck, I don't know how to get there. Right. And there's sometimes this defeat, our old stories come up and, you know, the body keeps the score. A lot of my work is bottom up approach where I actually believe that, yes, we can learn the information to shift our paradigm and explore possibility. But oftentimes we try to bridge the gap between where we are and where we're going by waiting for time to pass by or by gain, trying to gain more information. But the truth is that sometimes you just got to take action, right? So for me, when I get caught in those loops, um, it's always helped me to just take action despite the resistance and the fear and then create new evidence in my body of the opposite, that taking action is actually safer than staying the same, right? I think oftentimes our mind believes that if we don't take action and we listen to the resistance, we'll be safe. And maybe till a certain point in our life, because of certain experiences we were having, that was true. But after a certain point, it actually becomes more unsafe to not live our truth and take that action. So for me, you know, having coaches, men around me that um, help me realize that truth and realize that it's what I want to do and what feels inspiring to me. It, it almost uh, it just makes it so much easier to, to take the action and then prove to myself like, oh, shit, I am confident because I did the thing. I didn't wait for the confidence or the resistance, the confidence to come or the resistance to go away. Mm -hmm. huh. I love it. And you talk about speak your truth, no matter how much your voice cracks, right? Yeah. And that has sat with me for years from when you said it. And can you talk a little bit about what that means? Because you're, you're big on truth. You're big on embodiment. You're big on speaking your truth, living your truth, living with passion and purpose. Why is that so important in, in your work? It's important in my work because it's important for me. You know, every time I uh, reach my edge, of expressing myself, uh, my voice cracks in some way, you know, either figuratively or, or and I'll share an actual uh, recent thing that I worked through is, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident uh, speaking in front of a large group of men. I've been doing it for some time. My voice is definitely cracked uh, whenever I'm at a, a new version of that. And recently, two years ago, I moved to Puerto Rico. And this year I started doing like full Spanish events, right? So standing in front of men and speaking uh, or giving context to my work and to the exercises that we're doing and all of that, all in Spanish, when it's language that, you know, I've learned later half of my life uh, in English and now trying to translate it, that there were, there's been moments where my voice has cracked, you know, and, and I noticed there's a part of me that surfaces and feels that, that sensation in my body, that, that uh, something might happen or there's danger on the other side of me speaking my truth, which takes it, takes it a little bit further. It's not the occurring moment. You know, these men, uh, for example, it was for an immersion. These men invited me to lead them in that, in that event. They invited me by saying yes, by answering the call, by deciding to lean in. Um, they weren't the issue, right? The, it, it was nothing about what they would do. It was nothing about the occurring moment. But for most of my life, I've negotiated my truth for the sake of preserving the peace, 
preserving relationships, preserving um, really uh, love from from my parents. You know, there's so many times when I was a kid that I was a very opinionated kid. I was talking really early. I think my father says like in the first year, it sounded like I was asking questions and I wasn't even saying words. Right. Um, and I used to get in a lot of trouble for asking questions um, that really had no bad and they had no bad intentions. And, you know, I've, I've uh, had this conversation with my parents and we feel a lot around this, but at the time they did their best and uh, you know, they looked at it or saw it as a form of disrespect, especially my mom. Right. So if I asked a question about something she shared, I genuinely was curious. It's like, well, why do we do that? Why, why do I have to do that? Right. It, it wasn't in, it wasn't trying to disrespect. It was literally just trying to voice. Sometimes a question is the truth. It's something that I've learned. Right. So a truth is not always a definitive answer. We think that truth is here's what I believe. Sometimes truth is here's what I'm curious about. And when I was a kid, I was just curious and I couldn't share my truth about what I was curious about because oftentimes I would get in trouble. That led to a defense mechanism and a pattern of me saying, well, if I share what I feel, I get in trouble. If I share what I feel or sharing my truth equals chaos, sharing my truth equals trouble, sharing my truth equals n- n- not, not keeping the peace and my grand, my parents, uh, my parents arguing, my mom being upset with me, my father being upset that my mom was upset at him for being upset at me. It was a cycle ultimately creating a pattern of negotiating my truth for the sake of preserving relationships and for the sake of preserving the peace and for, for the sake of preserving my safety and feeling safe in my own body. That led to, you know, teenage years. I remember I would be at the top of the stairs um, and I would listen to my mom and my father talking to just tune into the energy of the day of the energy of the moment before I came down and asked if I could go out or asked if I could hang out with my friends. And I would literally, if, if I felt like the energy was not positive, I would lock myself in my room. And that was me not even being willing to ask for permission and possibly receive a no, because I was afraid of what the outcome of asking would be. Right. So that, that, uh, long story short, I mean, that took me through a journey of realizing that I was negotiating my vision for the sake of, because my, our vision is a part of our truth, you know, my purpose. And, um, that led me to just, uh, slowly, you know, dismantling, uh, all these stories that I adopted from society, from my parents, from loved ones, stories that I reinforced about myself, for example, speaking my truth equals, you know, all the things that I mentioned. And uh, I think I'll land the plane here around this, that I think leadership starts with self-leadership, right? If we can't lead ourselves, we can't lead anyone. So uh, it it put me on a road of self-leadership. So how do I want to move? How do I want to live? How do I want to be in relationship? How do I want to be in relationship with myself, with others? How do I want to wake up in the mornings? That was like a whole journey for me. And naturally, it was centered around me being in my truth, not just speaking my truth. And naturally, I think the next stage after self-leadership for any of us is empowering others to do the same. You know, it's like, man, Embodying my truth, living my vision, and being an impact-driven leader has—it has, it, it has just—it it feels like I'm on the right, I'm in the right place, and I've created evidence that moving past resistance and doing those things makes me feel fulfilled in life. I want to empower others to do the same. So my work is literally just a reflection of all the the pain and. Uh, confusion that I went through and, and, and still, you know, those parts of me get activated and come up at every threshold. And those things turned into purpose, you know, turn into kind of like a, how can I share my story even without always going into the details, but just by showing up in leadership and empowering other men to also speak their truth, even if their voice cracks, because at some point it stops cracking and you start empowering others with your words. I love that. And 
what comes to mind right now is beginner's mind, right? A, a kid has a beginner's mind because they are curious and they have a big heart and there's not so much weight of, oh shit, if I do this, this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden we start molding to our parents, to our relationships, to our job. And then we're, you know, middle age and we've spent a whole entire lifetime not being curious or forgetting how to be curious. So, um, mind, body, soul, style, we're in the mind right now. And, you know, you talk about like speaking the truth, no matter how much your voice cracks and working through that crack. So there's iterations of Jose, right? And this didn't happen overnight. So to someone who is like stuck in that theory, right? Like they know they need to do something, but they don't know how to, how important is movement in what you bring to your communities through your messaging? I, I know that uh, breathwork has been tremendous. I, I've seen you kind of manifest that over the last couple of years. I know it's a newer practice and I just want to acknowledge you for doing that because you're so committed to doing that after MRM, after creating community, you're, you're creating these other disciplines and bringing them in because that that's a problem to some people that don't know how to, how to move energy. If someone's telling them you're playing small, you're doing this and or they're just showing up in these spaces and they're like, I'm here, I'm here, you know, but they don't know how to get into the body, have that release. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I love that you brought up breathwork. You know, I, 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 uh, when I, when I first started on like, uh, my personal development journey beyond just like the information and started meditating all this. I, I had some difficulty meditating and um, I think that's the point, right? One thing when guys tell me, uh, I, I can't meditate too many thoughts are coming up. Like that's the meditation is being with the thoughts. Right. But um, I didn't realize this now, but I, 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 I'm a big advocate for breathwork because I believe it's a precursor to meditation precursor to mindfulness reality is that we are breathing before we get into a meditative state we're always breathing right and we can't breathe we can't go into a, a, a meditative state while we're hyperventilating right so just slowing the body down there's there's research that shows the six deep breaths reset our nervous system right and if we if we think about all of our emotions and feelings uh, you talked about the mind and we were talking about stories and, and things that, you know, uh, dangers that I project into different moments of my life or opportunities for me to move past resistance. The stories live in our mind, but the feelings and emotions live in our body, right? We often don't think about that. It's not something that we think about. It's like, yeah, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling sad um, and here's why. And we think about the story. We think the emotions living up in our in our mind, but our, the emotion, the feeling, is living in our body. And these these stories activate it. So whenever we're sad, happy, excited, uh, joyful, grieving, uh, literally think about any emotion or feeling uh, emotion. There's there's uh, an associated feeling in our body, and then there's also a shift in our breath. There's a shift in our breath and we can also flip that around and create a shift in our body. And then that goes on to creating a shift in our mind with our breath, because breath is really the only way to consciously and the best way to consciously shift our state of mind of body and uh, well, a body. Obviously we can do a lot of different movements, but of mind, of body and of uh, emotion, right? So when, you, when we speak about movement, beyond breath, um, because those emotions and feelings live in our body, uh, moving our body is sometimes the best way to shift our state, you know, beyond beyond just breath. Sometimes we feel anxious and we feel like we have to power through it. I can't tell you how many times those moments of resistance, I felt anxiety and I felt like I just had to wait it out. It's like, fuck, I'm, I'm anxious, right? And, and, and why am I anxious? And I just go into this fuck it tumble of trying to think about why I'm anxious when literally now I feel like I'm anxious. I notice it. 
I try to see why, but then I just move my body. Literally just getting up, shaking my body can sometimes move that energy and anxiety out of our body. Breathing 60 breaths can move that energy and transmute it into a different feeling in our body. So movement, I think, is the really um, before before even body. I mean, before even mind, I think movement is uh, and using our body is probably the best place to start. You know, like literally going to the gym or doing some some uh, uh, some walking. Right. There's there's literally therapies that with walking and moving your eyes and thinking about a problem, you can literally uh, uh, dismantle uh, traumatic experiences that are lodged in there. Right. So just moving and feeling movement in our body can create a shift. And, you know, the next step for me was moving and adding uh, adding the thoughts that I wanted to to start believing with that movement. Like, um, uh, for example, cold plunging, that's not necessarily movement, but we're feeling that in our body. I remember the first time I did cold plunge, uh, the person that was guiding me through the experience said, think about the thing that you're resisting the most. Think about the fear that you, the, the conversation, the question, the action that you don't want to take. Right. And now go into this water, feel the sensation in your body, the, the feeling that you're at your edge and, and maybe your ego believes you're going to die and reflect on yourself and who you want to be, who you need to be in order to face that resistance, take that action, have those conversations, ask those questions. And it's almost like this mind-body connections form, just like, I can't do this because confidence lives, confidence lives in the mind, again, through story. Here's the evidence that I can look at or the lack thereof. And the feeling of confidence, which is really what what matters most, is who we're being and how we're presenting ourselves without words or without having to say, these are the things that I did. It's like I'm showing up to this conversation as this is who I am. There's things that I've done. There's things that I don't. I don't have to say them all on this call or this podcast, but I feel the confidence in my body because there's a mind-body connection created through that movement combined with those new thoughts that are different than what uh, I've been programmed or conditioned to believe. I love it. And, and you make it sound so easy, but it, it's, it's not, not easy. It, 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 it's, it's not easy. Like, oh, mind, body, soul, style. Like, so I just want to, like, uh, certainty is the enemy of growth. Mark Manson, mm -hmm. he talked about allowing yourself the freedom to feel the mistakes. You're just, you just are. Allow yourself to be uncertain so can you talk about faith mm, yeah it's a great question faith um faith trust belief um you know a big you know you mentioned mind body soul uh soul for me means truth it's the unchanging part of us it's the part of us before any stories before any uh beliefs before any identities of this is who I am, what I do, the work that I've done, etc. It's like our soul, our truth is the unchanging part of us. It's our purpose. You know, I think ultimately our purpose is this, the purpose is the same for all of us, I believe. It's to find, reconnect and reveal our deepest truth, our most authentic self. And if I was born 100 years from now, my truth would be the same my purpose would still be that but my mission will look different because it's reflected reflective of what is available around me and the environment that i'm in so when i think of of faith uh when you ask me that question i think of those moments when going back to alignment versus fear misalignment versus fear when i feel so aligned that i know that as long as i follow this feeling of feeling alive, not the not the feeling of val external validation, not the feeling of being safe and staying safe, not the feeling of uh, uh, you know all these uh, external uh, things that we're told are measures of success, but the feeling of like I feel alive right now, and I know if I continue to follow this, I can trust and have faith that I will be okay. Right. If I if I thought this since this is unchanging, 
I know that there's an, there's an opportunity to create abundance from this. There's an opportunity of service from this. There's an opportunity for me to uh, continue to receive because this part of me that's unchanging is limitless, right? And there's a faith in that. And then for me, there's, there's also the faith of there's something greater than me that's working through me. Right. And whether that's, uh, you know, because uh, I've had an interesting relationship with religion when I was younger, you know, uh, raised Catholic and Christian. And uh, then I distanced myself from religion and I had to really find myself back to learning and feeling what spirituality meant for me and understanding that there's something greater than me um, that is being revealed through me and through the work that I do. Once I really uh, like leaned into exploring that, what that meant for me, there's been, there's just moments that I can't describe moments that I felt where it was like, you're just testimony. You're on the right path. I'm on the right path. And whatever I do, as long as I follow my truth, that truth, because it's unchanging, there's a source that it's coming from, right? Whether it's God, creator, spirit, um, earth, uh, you know, for me, uh, the name doesn't matter for me. It's just, knowing that there's something that's that's working beyond my comprehension and that allows me to surrender and trust you know i i, I tend to use universe as the word for, uh, for most of the time when i'm speaking about it um it's like you say when you ask the universe for something you better be ready for you know to receive it and for me you know there's there's a there's a concept of giving the universe conflicting re requests Right. It's like, yeah, I want this. I want to be, you know, uh, uh, a leader who empowers a generation of men to um, to show up in a relationship with an open heart. Great. And then there's opportunities for you to show up. And that's those opportunities is the resistance. If you're really committed to that, are you willing to sacrifice the fear of fill in the blank for the sake of creating that vision and having faith? that uh, that you will be guided and supported throughout that journey rather than giving a conflicting request. So you make that request, here's my vision, I'm declaring it, and not trusting that when the opportunities for you to lean into that mission, that purpose, reveal themselves, that you will be okay. Right? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's conflicting um, and, it's, and it's a lack of faith, right? It's like, um, Allowing ourselves to only take steps when we could see what's right in front of us or we could see what's behind the door, right? And, and it's, it also goes in, into, into intuition, right? This is two doors, right? And you can't see what's behind either. But you have to make a choice. And one of them has a title that is reflective of everything that has made you feel alive in your life. And one of them has a title that is reflective of all the times you gave into resistance. You don't know what's behind them. What choice are you going to make? Right. And the, you have to make a choice. So faith is going with a choice that the best bet is going with what makes me feel alive. And I don't know what's behind these doors, but I know if I choose resistance, I actually am moving away from life. Like literally, we are dying every time we choose not to live what's the opposite of life it's death right so choosing to feel alive that's the ultimate form of trust and faith not only in yourself but in in everything that is 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 being uh just channeled or provided through you i love that and i think about theory and how much, again, we're in the mind, we're stuck in the mind. We can't get into the body because we're familiar with the patterns and the resistance and, you know, the story that plays out again. So, um, yeah, it's just having that faith and, and breaking through it, it is easier said than done when, when what you know is the easy road or roads is, is there before you. Uh, I, I know I've felt most alive when I did things that I was scared of because you can't reflect unless you're actually doing those things. You can't reflect in theory ever. Right. But if I try and if I fail forward, 
I have that feeling, that happening, that the witnessing of, of people seeing me try. Um, there, there's so much richness and, and just makes you feel alive, like you said. So I think you can't do that in theory. And, and we need to get past the mind and to get past the story that we tell ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I, love, I saw something today on threads. Uh, it was a photo of uh, it was uh, these books. They were green, they're red, yellow, green, and there were different size stacks of books. And the first one was, excuse me, red, and it, it was three books, and it said theory on it. And then in the middle, it said uh, it was uh, it was maybe like twice the amount of books, and it said um, practice. And the third stack was like five times the amount of, of books, and it said failure, right? And and failing, like you just you just mentioned being witness trying being witness and failure some 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 uh, you know i think the biggest the biggest fear most men have is and, and i've something i've i've seen um in just like witnessing men uh resist leaning into a community of other men who are also like committed to creating the life they love and the life they want to live and leave nothing on the table um and also while they're in it including myself is the fear of being of of being seen trying, right? Everybody wants to, uh, you know, the peak. Everyone wants to show the photo of the peak. Not, no one wants to show or talk about the journey up the peak and how they twisted their ankle and and all the things that uh, are happening. And even less want to be witnessed in it because when we're sharing the story, you know, it's great. Yeah, I twisted my ankle. You can kind of not shape it. Even when you're being honest, you can kind of talk about it in a way that is connected to the peak. But being witnessed in the uh, the trying, that's like another level. One is sharing the peak. The other is sharing the journey. And then the other is being witnessed in the journey, like witnessed and trying, witnessed and failing. Um, it's, it's something that requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of vulnerability equals courage, but really it requires, uh, us to goes back to what you said, like the art of sucking at something like realizing that that's the best art of all, you know, it's like being in that curiosity state where you're stumbling and, and crawling and haven't yet like fully embodied a posture of confidence in that in that place because when we do that around other individuals we can receive feedback we can receive insight we can receive support empowerment someone can grab you and pull you up someone can push you from below and also you get to do the same because guess what while you're on that journey someone's next to you on the same journey and whether they've done it or not uh, you know, maybe one person has, one person hasn't. It's also a gift for you to bring people along the journey because you get to show them where you, st you know, I just picture a hike when you're in the front and you're like, watch out for that. You know, the guy in the front is always like, watch out for this branch, watch out for that. It's the smallest thing, but it goes such a long way. <laughs> and we try to, we try to skip all that. You know, it's like, I don't want to be seen in it. So we rather literally, uh, live a life and it's just our ego i don't say we 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 actually rather live a life without regrets or we're fully embodying our truth we all do it's just part of it's it's what we're here to be and i think our ego rather extend you know uh extend and prolong the feeling of fear resistance and just being in the same state rather than being seen trying in failure. And that also takes practice. It's, it's, uh, and it takes practice and safe containers to do so as well. Cause the truth is that a lot of our, a lot of the reason why we avoid failing or being seen failing is because maybe there were spaces that we were in in our early childhood where we didn't feel safe doing so. And we learned to not do so in order to no longer feel unsafe. Um, so definitely finding safe spaces where we're not hiking with people who are hooking our, our ankles or, or kicking our Achilles as we uh, are, you know, going up the peak. 
or reaching the peak, but actually like supporting us and empowering us along the way without judging us when we do hit a, a twist our ankle. Yeah, I, I love these spaces. I, I've been in men's work with Rising Man for almost three years. I've been in multiple containers, Inferno, Compass, Dojo, and just the iterations of that. When you go into a new container with men, we are just kind of trained not to be emotional. So when I'm in a space with someone like yourself who's been doing men's work, who says, why aren't you showing emotion? I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the, the trust and the weeks that would go by, you know, during the pandemic virtually, where we're actually dropping into spaces, sharing stories where we're so alike, right? We're not different. We're very like, you know, I'm I'm a child of divorce, you know, so I, I know what it's like to grow up with a single mom. I, I know what it's not like to have a father figure and, um, you know, but to break through that with men who have broken those generational traumas, but who have actually you know, reworked their relationship with their father and now they're in an amazing relationship with their father like I am right now. So, you know, that that's work that doesn't happen overnight. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for what you're doing with Modern Renaissance, man, because it's, it's creating a massive impact out there. I appreciate that, man. And it, it is, uh, uh, it's, it is, you know, it's, it's hard work, but it gets to be, it's not easy, but it gets to be done with ease. You know, uh, I think one thing for me, as I hear you say that, uh, it, it just resonates so much because so much of my work last year with my coach was around, uh, you know, like just being being in the being at the stage that I'm at and just enjoying it. You know, there's a there's a I, ha I have a gift that I honor and appreciate and I see in you as well that has allowed me to get to this point in my life where I have been hungry for information, for growth, for transformation. I put myself, you know, everywhere from uh, difficult conversations to, uh, you know, uh, fucking Amazon rainforest, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and it's given me so much insight, but some, but oftentimes it's also, there's a shadow aspect to it, you know, and, and I don't know if you resonate with this, but there's times where I, I'm always looking for the gap. I'm always looking for where my voice is still cracking and I can improve it. And there's beauty and bliss in being being with the being with uh, just where we're at in the moment too. Not getting stagnant, comfortable. There's, there's a difference there, right? Uh, uh, there's a difference between just like staying put and uh, deteriorating and waiting for our life to end. You know. But there's times where being with the mundane, being with the discomfort, being with the just joy of like, yeah, you know, there's there's ways that I could be a better partner in my relationship and I'm working on those. And there's times where I got so caught up with those that I wasn't enjoying the date I was in with who I am and everything I am in this moment, you know, so really just uh, reflecting on, um, you know, it's not easy. It's 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 a long journey and you know there's a, the word that comes up is compassion grace right that's a big piece to 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 being for me for, to, to being uh feeling like i'm i'm living the life that i love right uh just knowing that i can enjoy every stage of it and then like you know this we've both done our rite of passage and uh chop wood Carry water. Right? So before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, guess what? You still got to chop wood, carry water, and I'll add a uh, uh, dig up a, a, a latrine. Right. So yeah. it it doesn't change whether or not you you know uh, grow, and that's something that we definitely try to weave into MRM. You know, it's just uh, um, a lot of the men in our container are self led and hungry. Uh, most of them are between the ages of twenty eight and forty. And maybe, you know, we say 28 because 
we we kind of speak and our messaging is tailored towards guys that already like wake up in the mornings motive self-motivated and and they've they've put in some work in their 20s where they feel like they've accomplished some things but there there's still a gap there around creating the life they love and being fully in their truth and in their power and we'll you know just there's a big component there just letting them know like you know this you get to enjoy it this work you get to enjoy this process grief comes with growth and i think we often forget that but there's beauty after grief you know there's there's moments where we we can't just like fuck what's next what's when's the next retreat when's the next uh plant medicine journey i gotta do another rite of passage even though i did one last year because this year i'm feeling this resistance like no be with the resistance and see what you can already embody based on what you know which is why uh i i i often give myself years months or weeks where i stop consuming information last year i did a lot of coaching a lot of programs a lot of retreats and i committed to this year taking some space so that i can implement integrate and embody everything that i've learned right i remember i used to read books like uh one book two books every month and then there was a year with my shadow work coach, you know him well, Rainier, shout out to Rainier. He told me, uh, wait, wait, can you recite the last thing that, you know, the, the, the one thing from the book you read three books ago? And I was like, fuck, <laughs> I forgot. And I realized that I wasn't actually allowing myself to enjoy what I learned from the first book or take my time reading it a little bit longer or give myself space to be in the mistakes and the failures of implementing the shit that I learned. Um, so I think it all ties back into being with the failures. It's like being with the failures and having some fun laughing at it rather than beating yourself up and saying, fuck, I'm not where I need to be. Right. And I think the, the best work is done in the valleys, right? Like after the peak, you know, you're just hiking through for miles and miles and miles and you're like, this is boring. Right. But it's like, you're actually elevating over time. You don't see it, but through repetition, repetition, doing the work, it's like working on a relationship when it's at its worst, right? It's like in these valleys, right? Where there's no threat. This is where we're diving in. This is where we're like re, you know, committing to each other, to the work, to each other. Um, so it's just, and in, in relationship, I just wanted to acknowledge you for, for being in relationship for 14 years now to your fiance Sam which you, yeah. you you talk about her as being like an inspiration to you at a north star like how many iterations of Jose were in that relationship where you know you're just kind of going up against all your resistances but you're failing <laughs> forward you can't yeah. fail forward in theory right can't fail yeah. forward in theory so yeah. thanks thanks for being an inspiration to to us single guys out there Hey man, it's not perfect. And uh, when you ask about iterations, there's at least been five evolutions of our relationship. And right now we're at a threshold stepping into our next. And uh, it's beautiful, just the amount of tools that we have, the patience and communication, we've like just ability to communicate that we've cultivated that allows for these thresholds to be, uh, pro you know, navigated with an open heart and with compassion with with love um but it's been at least five iterations and with each one we're, there there's a death you know meaning meaning there's like a death of the old things that maybe were literally what made the relationship as beautiful as it was at that stage now get to be let go of because there's something that's more beautiful and it feels so comfortable to cling on to it because it's like oh man we used i used to uh, love when she did this or love how we did this or love how I did, I felt when we, you know, all these different thoughts. And it's like, yeah, but your vision for this relationship, our vision for this relationship is, is much greater than that. And, uh, and we're changing, we're evolving as individuals. So that's no longer in alignment. Um, and with that comes the fear of like, is it, is it, is it going to be the same? No, it's not going to be the same. Right. And, and that means that it might not, um, you know, that sometimes means facing off with breaking up for the sake of love, right? And and uh, oftentimes we don't think about that. We think love means forcing ourselves to stay together. Love love is not a relationship. Love is revealed and reflected in relationship. 
right? So we we try to hold on to love by holding on to a person, but really the truth is that sometimes breaking up is for the sake of love, for the sake of love we have for that person, but for the sake of just love we have for ourselves and even greater than that, love period, right? So for for the 14 years, you know, we made 14 years in February, um, what we we're seeing right now is uh it's interesting you know and, and i'm i'm navigating this at the moment um my partner is asking of more uh vulnerability and, and depth from me right and there's the ego that uh you know and this is not the first time at every stage she asks for that because she's growing she's expressing herself she is um just uh, expressing more energy and I love it. It's what I'm calling in, right? And with that, you know, there's my ego goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, I am emotionally available. I, I, I've done all this work and I'm, I just like, you know, it's like I'm listing the things in my mind. My ego is listing the things and it's like, no, but um, you're capable of holding and being with more. And just because you are above average, uh on this with your standard at this stage doesn't mean that this is where you uh stop short because this is if if you stop short then you're not in, empowering other men to also reach that stage you know so when i say uh above average in uh being able to express or be emotionally available with my partner i'm not saying that i am better than or more superior to any man. I mean, I've, I've been on this journey of opening my heart and having the capacity to be with a lot of energy in my business and holding a lot of space for a lot of men and also creating and saving uh, an abundant amount of space for my partner. And any man could do that. So how dare I stop short? You know, if, my, if I'm calling this in and my partner is revealing that she's craving more more of me uh it's just a reflection and a gift you know she's giving me a gift where i get to say you know my checklist is okay if my partner's asking me of something first go through my values second you know uh, acknowledge the trigger if there is one and put it aside let's ask ourselves this once we go through our values this is align my values yes this is inspire me all the things yeah, my growth and evolution, you know, all my values. And then I ask myself, is this, is what she's asking of me something I'm asking of myself or something I'm craving of myself? So regardless of how triggered I am, is this something that I'm actually craving in my life? And if I do cultivate this, what is the result beyond my relationship? beyond what it opens up. And if all that adds up and it's like, yeah, that's actually something I want. Even if my ego, sometimes as, you know, as men, I used to do this. It's like, it's actually the thing I want. So often I see men call something in again, going back to conflicting requests. We call something in, in our relationship. We want more sex. We want our partner to be more open. We want our partner to uh, reveal their heart to us. We want our partner to be, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank for all these things. Our business, same thing. We want this, we want that, we want that. And then it starts arriving and we close up. And even if it's the thing we want, our ego's like, no. Well, my partner asked me for it, so fuck that. I'm not doing it. You know, I just want to stay with the identity that I have. Uh, so it's interesting because it shows up for me all the time. Relationship. Like, bro, you called this in. Are you going to allow fear to hold you back from embracing it and being with it and feeling alive at that level just because you felt alive at this previous level that is that is is like a lobster shell you know lobsters have to at some point they reach uh the capacity and the shell starts starts to constrain them and suffocate them and they have to go into another shell. But guess what? Most vulnerable moment is between the first and the second shell because you have no shell and anybody might come and snatch you up, right? A, there's a fear around the, 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 the shift. So yeah, maybe the first shell was comfortable. I felt good in that suit. 
where I was at in my relationship, but I've outgrown it. And I could either choose to suffocate myself at the stage of the relationship, which at some point was beautiful, or I could decide to be a little bit more vulnerable and step into that next suit, um, which I've called in and, and been craving in my life. You say called in, and I, I know you're very much into like ancestral wisdom and spirit animals. Your, your spirit animal is the red-tailed hawk. I'd love to know that story of how the red-tailed hawk came to you, when it came to you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to know. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, start off by saying that um, the red-tailed hawk for me represents my late grandfather who died, I believe, when I was three. Um, and he was, he, you know, a, a lot, my thoughts about him, my feelings towards him, uh, it was like, there was a, it was indifferent for some time. And then there were times in my life that was also uh, negative. And the reason for that was because a lot of my father's family, excluding my father, because he, he really opened his heart and healed that relationship. You know, he was like the epitome of, of, uh, uh, like toxic masculinity, right? And and really a, 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 a hurt individual who hurt a lot of people in his life. And um, I my relationship with him was always like that. And I remember, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories, but this is a, the biggest one. I remember I was in Guatemala with some Mayan elders uh, for a week and we did a lot of temascals and fire ceremonies and all that it was really beautiful just to witness and a lot of healing came from that i remember i was in the Temascal for a really long time it was really powerful a lot of stuff surfaced for me and when i came out they wrap you up in a in a towel and lay you down um and it's almost like a psychedelic experience because you're just sweating and so hot and um it peels back you know the veil gets thinner and I remember one of the Tata said, uh, and the, he, he had already knew some of the story, but I hadn't told him about my grandfather. He said, you know, I know you're a leader of men, uh, but you, you can't fully embody your leadership and lead men to their hearts unless you embrace, uh, to their power, their truth, their hearts, unless you embrace all aspects of uh, ma of your masculinity and how it's been, uh, how it's been expressed in your family, right? And he went a little bit deeper. You know, he said, "There's a grandfather here who's saying that he, he he's saying that he loves you, and he wants you to know that uh, he he recognizes and sees you heal. He sees himself healing through you." Here's what I got out of it. So I'm gonna put it into uh, I'm going to use mo a movie to, to give an analogy. You know, the, the first, uh, the last Star Wars, uh, well, yeah, the last one, obviously there were new ones created, but the ones that came out in the 70s, I forgot, uh, New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, and then, or vice versa. There was the scene where, so Darth Vader, you know, he's he, Anakin originally, and uh, if you see the new version now on Disney, they changed the character. There's a scene where, the uh, Yoda, Obi Wan, and Anakin are are all uh, they're all deceased, but their spirit is kind of looking over Luke, right? And all those three movies, Darth Vader was evil, was bad. Everyone spoke about him as this evil force. And uh, after he passed, his purest, most authentic truth was revealed, and that was before he quote unquote turned to the dark side. Right. So my relationship with my grandfather evolved in that way where it was like, wow, I, I need to accept all the ways that uh, the, all the ways that he showed up and did hurt people. See how those parts maybe live within myself, honor those parts by acknowledging them and then also deciding that they're not they're not uh, they're not how I want to live my life. I need to do that in order to, uh, you know, really embody the full power and and the beauty of my masculinity so 
you asked me about, uh, you know, sp uh, spirit and, and just like ancestral wisdom and, and the red tail hawk. So that's one one example of just like while I was in the Temasca, a red tail hawk had visited me. I wasn't yet aware. Uh, I was having some visuals in there. I wasn't yet aware that it was my grandfather. Another time, rite of passage, I followed a red tail hawk that was just flying in circles uh, up to my spot. So I actually found my fasting spot by following a red tail hawk until it stopped and just circled above this one spot over and over and over again. And then I laid my hammock there and I remember it made a turn, went around the trees. I thought it had left and then literally right in front of me, just like swept, uh, just swept right in front of me because I was on a peak. Um, and that was like a moment of like, here's where I'm meant to be. So there's been a lot of moments, but the first, first moment where I had an experience with the hog and I felt like something was coming through um, was in a plant medicine journey. So it was during an ayahuasca journey and I saw my family lineage and it was my, uh, it was grand, both mom and dad's side, grand, great grandfather yelling and like kind of like projecting things onto my grandparents and then my parents and then me and I remember I just turned around and and uh put my hand up like it's stop almost like it stops with me um and that was the first time I had that that experience I felt like right after I saw I saw this hawk just uh come up to me and and uh like land on my chest um and since then I just embraced it you know I think there's a there's uh there's also the the uh the, the fun part of like hawk vision and just, you know, I, I love working with vision and supporting men and living their vision. So I've kind of embraced that identity of the hawk, but um, I'm also not, not attached to it either. Uh, it's just been a big, big part of my spiritual journey and my relationship with my grandfather. I love it. And your relationship with your father? I, I know that has really improved over the years through a couple of divorces with your parents and, you know, you just, you and your dad are just so alike and connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out to, shout out to pops, um, Jose, Jose Rodriguez, another Jose. Um, yeah. So my parents, uh, married and divorced each other so, so the two of them um three times the third time was when i moved out of my house and in with my now fiance four months after they were like there's no point in us being together anymore peace right and it was also it was like i i knew it was gonna happen but when it did happen a lot came up for me around like there was there was a uh, i felt guilty like you know, there was times where my father would say, I'm here for you. And even though that was beautiful, I think he had all the best intentions. And we've spoken about this. Um, uh, it, it, it made me feel like the only reason he, they were together was because of me and all the chaos and all the things were like my fault and all the dreams that he said he didn't go after. And so I think most of my 20s, I was running away from becoming the, the becoming my idea of of, of who he was like, I, I gotta, I gotta live my life. I gotta rebel against everything. I gotta, uh, say what I'm going to do, even at the expense of my rest of my, like of everything. Cause I'm not going to live the life that, you know, my father lived quote unquote. That's how, that's how I interpreted it. And, um, uh, there, it reached a, a point, you know, I think the biggest, it was maybe a conversation three years ago where we sat down and I told him what, I didn't appreciate. And I told him what I did appreciate. And this was after a conversation, with one of my coaches that said, I think the conversation was about four or five years ago, that I actually had a conversation with my father that went deeper than the first one after the, the conversation with my coach. But they told me, well, how, how would you treat your father? And who, how would you uh, be with, what would your relationship with your father be if you took out the title father? Right. And all the expectations that come with it, the societal expectations that you've adopted, the the uh, expectations based on comparing to other fathers that maybe you experience other men that you've connected or met who are role models or mentors. And I was like, man, he's just a man, a man 
who also has his own, who has his own journey, has his own uh, experiences that maybe limited him, but also allowed him to show up for me the way that he did. And uh, I can be a little bit more compassionate with him. So that opened up an opportunity for us to, for me to look at him as a human um, and appreciate all the things about him that I was also casting away. And like patience, like commitment, like honesty, integrity, all the things that are core pillars, are core pillars of who I am today that I wasn't allowing myself to fully embody because I wasn't embracing beyond his flaws. And also, you know, embracing his flaws because they become a roadmap for, uh, you know, how I navigate my life and, and the things to, to do differently. So my relationship with my father has really evolved. Uh, you know, I led him through breath work last year, which is powerful. Uh, so that was, that was incredible. Yeah. Leading my father through breath work and just being able to hold space for him in a way that he's held for me. Uh, although different, it it was like, that was a gift back to him, which I've also done with my mom and, and, you know, leading them through breath work, just for the sake of context, I was listening the breath work that I led him through. was like a transformative, you know, uh, holotropic style breath work uh that really reveals a lot of uh a lot of uh stuck energy emotions and it's a really powerful healing experience and being able to hold that for them and and be that pillar for them where they felt safe enough to surrender and and be in their experience and offer that to me as a gift without feeling like they have to do it because they're the parent man it just it 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 I think as men, we often live our lives looking over our shoulder for our dad's approval and our mom's permission or vice versa. And uh, doing that was kind of like another break in the generational, you know, uh, tr- uh, you know, trauma. Uh, in it, it was a break in the in the uh, in the needing of permission or, or approval and just being my own man. Um, and I'm not saying that every man does it that way, but just the conversation alone did that, you know, it's kind of like that. Here's what I appreciate. Here's what I don't. And the reason I could share that is because I'm becoming my own man. So whether you agree with me or not, this is me as I am. Thank you for the pieces I took and thank you for the pieces I don't because they revealed who I want to, who I don't want to be with that. I love you. Um, it's just the, the breath work took it to an emotional level where no words were shared. And it was kind of like that. I see you parts that are coming up for you are beautiful, you know, and you get to release them because I'm not taking them with me either. And the parts that are full of joy, you know, what a beauty. Thank you. Like, I want that. And there was like an embrace, embracing of that. So yeah, great question, man. Everything father relationship. And uh, I thought I had healed some stuff. You know, like I said, when I got my bachelor's in psych 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, with my parents because i understood them it's a whole another level to like um show up to family dinners where there still might be shit that triggers you show up to conversations or there still might be shit that comes up um be with them in conversation even when your voice cracks because you understand that they might be wrong but it's easy to understand they might be wrong and not show up to the conversation it's a whole nother thing to know that they might be wrong and show up to the conversation with an honest and, and, uh, with honesty and empathy. Uh, that's, that's been the journey that I think I'm still on and, uh, will continue to be on. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can get to a point that our parents will, our parents will always, um, you know, re- reach the end of their life. My grandparents are getting older as well. And hopefully at the end of their lives, I could say I, 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 I put it all like my heart on the table and had the best, most beautiful relationship I could possibly have with them. Um, even if I get hit by a car tomorrow, God forbid, life could end today. Just reflecting like, yeah, I gave it all I got to heal that relationship with both of them. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And, um, what comes up for me is when you say he's just a man, drop the titles. 
And when I did that with my father, our relationship just started to blossom. After my mom passed in 2019, me and him have been side by side ever since, talking on the phone every day. And he's about ready to retire. I just got back from New York from my brother's wedding. And it's the first time my brothers, my father, you know, worked together in space in probably over 20 years. So it's, um, it's, it's interesting when you drop the story and you just lean in and, and you realize that they were just doing the best that they could do at that time when they were a kid themselves, you know, and yeah, this all ends, right? So before it gets too late, you know, just reach out, call your dad today, Gavin, right? Like reach out, you know, take that, take that leap, you know, speak your truth, even if your, your voice is cracking. So beautiful conversation, Jose. And I, I know I can just sit here for hours and talk to you. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, can you let our listeners know, is there any social media handles, any offerings, anywhere people can find you to learn more about you, MRM, and uh, yeah. what you got going on? Absolutely. Uh, so first and foremost, thank you for having me. And I really just felt it was, it was a great conversation. Like you said, we can go on on different tangents and continue for days. Um, with regards to, to, you know, where to find me, learn more about my work, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, just R Jose underscore Alejandro. And there you could, yeah, I've, I've been in the past 24 hours, been getting active on threads. So just sharing all my thoughts on there. Um, and, uh, you know, my LinkedIn bios there, access to my website, you can learn more about my one-on-one work. I specifically work with impact-driven leaders that, uh, want to embody the truth, live their vision, and and be of service to the world. Um, we do have, uh, you know, uh, our version of Rite of Passage out in the East Coast as well, which uh, with the beautiful support of Rising Man. Um, so the next one's coming up in September, uh, but the journey, Severance Journey, which is really the preparation for the Wilderness Fast starts end of July. So um, I don't know if this will come out by them, but we, we have them every May and September, spring and fall. Um, and if there is, you know, a uh, desire to really create a threshold uh, that marks a transition from one stage of your life to the next, um, you can go to mrmthreshold.com and check that out. And, and yeah, besides that, everything, everything, uh, everything else, flow through it and see what resonates through my content and uh that'll lead you to the place the last piece is um mr brotherhood you know so um, mr brotherhood uh you also find lincoln there is really a space for self-led men committed to mastering themselves and creating the life they love um something i co-created with my uh best friend and co-founder boy and uh it's a beautiful space to explore coaching, explore men's work, explore having authentic conversations and building intimate relationships with other men who are also creating the life they love and committed to being the best men they could be for themselves, their community and the world. So with that, uh, yeah, it was, it was an honor, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And until next time, keep spreading positivity, making a difference and embracing the extraordinary in your own lives. Take care, and we'll catch you on the next episode of After the Peace. Thanks, man.